With all that said, I'm going to say this. The best is yet to come. Proverbs 4, the path of the righteous shines brighter and brighter. Say, the best is yet to come. Sometimes you might have to step over a pothole, and, and you can look back and see it, but don't stay staring at it. Just say, the best is yet to come. Come on, if you believe that, give the Lord a hand and clap and preach. The best is yet to come. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to worship you. We thank you for your hand that is moving in our lives. Times that we don't see and the times that we begin to see and recognize. Open our eyes to see what you want us to see. Open our ears to hear what you want us to hear. Open our hearts to receive from heaven what you want us to receive. We thank you, Father God, for your goodness. We thank you for your grace and mercy. We thank you for your strength that cannot be measured, your power. We thank you that in you, Lord Jesus, the best is always yet to come. It gets better and better. For you are more than enough. You are our shepherd. We shall not want or lack any good thing. We sanctify this moment. Touch the hearts and lives of every person under the sound of my voice, wherever they're at. Maybe this is the first time they've been in a church or they have been serving you their whole life. Let them know how much you love them, Father God. We give you praise, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, we surrender to you. Guide and direct this time. And everybody said, amen. amen and amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6. I'm going to read out the New Living. If you don't have it, you can look on the, the screen. I would encourage you. You know, I love technology. I just have always loved technology. Me and Greg Hand have always been like, try to be on the, the front curve of technology. I mean, our whole, I just always, I got, you know, I mean, I got a degree in computer coding, so I, I love computers, I love, I used to, I'm an old school hacker, I learned not to do that anymore, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I learned, Jesus helped me to learn not to do that. I, I love learning, I love, love technology, I mean, now it's, nowadays things are just kind of like, it's amazing how much technology has happened in the past years. I remember when DVDs came out. Do y'all remember when DVDs came out? Some of you don't know. Do you remember the wars between VHS and Beta? Oh. And people get all upset about that. Amazing what we can get upset. So um, anyway, I'm just giving. Oh, what I'm getting into is, and with technology, I, I mean, I use an iPad, computers, phone. I have the Bible on my phone, all that. I would encourage you. I had someone say this, and it just stuck with me. And uh, make sure you have a printed Bible. And you think, well, why? I got it on technology. I know, but you know, the enemy's a deceiver. And he can change stuff electronically, and most people would never catch it. Just throwing that out there. Not a conspiracy theory. I'm just throwing it out there. I mean, they've already said that the, the artificial intelligence that they have released out of the box, and by the way, you can't get that toothpaste back in the bottle. It is what it is. It's like, how many movies do we have to see that this is not a good idea? But hey, let's try it anyway, someone thought. And they said, oh yeah, one day it'll be able to rewrite the Bible to make it more accommodating to all religions. Hmm. So I'm just saying, we are in the last of the last days. But as the church, that doesn't mean that we get scared. That doesn't mean we throw in the towel. 
That's, that doesn't mean we get discouraged. No, Matthew 24, Matthew 25 is very specific. When it looks bad, look up. When it looks bad, look up because God is bigger. You might have to step over that pothole, but say out loud. You got to hear yourself say it sometime. You got to hear yourself say it. The best is yet to come. It's going to get better. This is no big deal. I'm not staying here. I'm not camping out here. I'm going somewhere. Amen. So that was all to give you time to find Matthew, 5, uh, Matthew 6. And if you're not there, we just bless you and thank you. And... All right, Matthew 6, verse 16. And when you fast, Jesus is talking. Don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face, then no one will notice you are fasting except your Father who knows what you are doing in private. And your Father who sees everything will reward you. That's always a fun verse people like to read. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 9. A few chapters over. One day, verse 14, one day the disciples of John the Baptist came to Jesus and asked him, why don't your disciples fast like we do and the Pharisees do? And Jesus replied, do wedding guests mourn while celebrating the groom, with the groom? Of course not. But someday the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. Say, then they will fast. Uh, starting on January 3rd through the 23rd, we do a annual fast, corporate fast. Now, we're not going to force you to do this, by the way. But I want to talk about some of the benefits of fasting, some of the methods of fasting. I want to get us all on the same page so we know what we're talking about and, uh, and the importance of it. Again, like I started off, you might have to step over some potholes, but don't, don't stay there. Say, the best is yet to come. Say, the best is yet to come. Years ago, the Lord placed on my heart this, this phrasing of a dynamic life. It comes out of John 10.10. Jesus said, the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. To me, I love that verse for so many reasons, but it's definitely a very clear picture of which side the devil's on and which side Jesus is on. In the world of religion, and I'm not into religion, uh, and I define that as man's rules to get to God. Because religion has brainwashed a lot of people with stuff. Because if you hear something over and over again, you'll start to believe that it's true. Hitler proved that. He had read a book and found out that if you say a lie enough, people will begin to believe the lie. And some of us have heard religious ideology so much that we believe something that's not in the Bible. That's why at Hope Church, and if, again, if you're, you're a guest, put this on the back burner, you find God. But we challenge you to challenge everything, even if I say it. If people come with a great or interesting or new idea, just ask them, where's that in the Bible? Challenge it. Study it. Because it's not you have heard it, but when you keep hearing the word, that's when faith is built. But when you challenge stuff in your own private time, in your own walk with God, that's where you're going to learn. A lot of people only know what their doctrine of their church or religion or bishop so-and-so told me. And praise God, we, we respect and honor people, as you already noticed that we just did. We honor people. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter who says what. Challenge everything with the Word of God. Paul even said that. If there's even an angel shows up and preaches a different gospel, don't listen to him. Why? Because you got to challenge everything. 
Too many times in the church world, we, we talk and emphasize love, and that's important for God is love. But we misunderstand that, and we think love means accommodating and accepting everything that comes down the road. And that's not. You challenge everything. Our legal system is that everyone's innocent until proven guilty. But in the, in, when it comes to the eternity and the, your spirit person, everything should be guilty until proven innocent. That's why I'll say phrases like, if you don't agree, put it on the back burner and study it, challenge it, find out for yourself. Don't just accept it because of peer pressure or people, a lot of people like it, or if I say it, or somebody else says that you like, that, that's irrelevant. This is your eternity. This is your walk with God. This is the most important element in the existence of your life. You can get everything right, but if you get this wrong, you lose everything. The Bible says that. What gains a man? If he gains the whole world but loses his soul, right? We'll put so much emphasis on everything about the, we'll research the cars that we're buying, the houses, the neighborhoods we want to live in, uh, the people we should, uh, that we want to uh, date or marry, uh, the friends we want. And those are all good, the jobs that we want, the careers, the place, all those are important. But if you don't get this one variable right, and yet that's the one area that a lot of people in the church world, no one here, but we're online. A lot of people in the church world, what they'll do is they'll just accept anything. And they'll be like, yeah, whatever. And they'll make it the lowest standard. If God does, if God doesn't. If God meant it, if God didn't say it, it don't matter. And they'll make a priority of everything. And I'm not saying don't make those things important. But make your walk with God the most important. Amen. The priority. Because you're not going to get to heaven and God says, sorry, you didn't make it. You didn't reach the financial, economic level that I wanted you to be in, even though you can and God wants you blessed. Okay. See, I look at it a little different. I believe that everything that God has already promised us, he's already provided for us on the cross of Calvary. So you're going to get it in heaven, but you can also access it here on earth. And if you access it here on earth, you do it by faith, Hebrews 6 and Hebrews 11. And if you, if you access it on earth, then you can glorify God and help other people to know about Jesus. Come on, somebody. And so it doesn't matter if it's your finances, your healing, your health, your peace, your joy. There, when you get to heaven, God's not going to say, yeah, we're short, so you're going to get three out of the five. Pick. No, everything that has belongs to you is yours. And you're going to get it in heaven. But you have access to it here on earth. Not just one, but all of it. Now, some people specialize in one or two, but it's all available and we're all growing. Say, I'm growing. And that's one of our phrases around here. Never outgrow growth. No one's perfect except Jesus. No one knows everything. Although some people walk around and talk and act and sometimes even think they know, that they know everything. And for those people, we smile and just slowly back away. Because one thing I've learned about knowledge is the more you learn, the more you realize there's a lot out there that you don't know. So when people feel like they've got it down and they know everything, that means they don't know much. They just know a little bit and they keep circling the, that little mountain. And so cha- walk this thing out. Cha- challenge everything. Challenge everything. And so John 10.10, 10, the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. So it, to me it's obvious if you're fighting uh, a disease, God forbid, cancer or something. God never put that on you. Although religion will tell you God will put sickness on you. But in the Bible, it says Jesus took our infirmities. Matthew 8. In the Bible, it's 1 Peter 2.24. By his stripes, you were healed, were passed. It's already provided on the cross of Calvary. And so to me, it's a very clear boundary because if I don't understand the boundaries, I don't know if I should embrace or fight, Right? 
someone walks through the door and you don't know them, you want to know, do they have a right to do that? Right? And if they don't, then you know to stand up and say, you need to get out of my house. Hello. So when you get a, a, God forbid, a bad report, if you believe that God puts that on you, you won't fight it, you'll embrace it. And yet the people who teach that it's from God, even in their own lives, that they, it's amazing how people change doctrine when they're in the fire. People have written books and made millions on why you shouldn't have money. It's the most amazing thing to me. Literally, have written books about why God gives uh, poverty is spiritual, and they will make millions of dollars selling books. You just got to shake your head someday, sometimes and say, what's going on? People will not believe in, in healing until all of a sudden they get a death sentence from the doctor, and all of a sudden their doctrine changes, right? Forty years they've spent preaching and telling people that had those bad case scenarios, oh, you just have to embrace it, God's getting glory, and you just... You just got to suffer. And yet when it's their turn, we need to rethink this. At least I guess they're rethinking it. But, so to me, it's a very defined boundaries. Jesus is the one who's brought healing, deliverance, peace, joy. He's so good. That's why I like to think of it this way. He's so good. We don't have to force people to serve Jesus. Some, some people, some churches treat Jesus like he's a broken down used car that's on his last leg and you're trying to sell it and pawn him off real quick. Listen, you don't want Jesus. That's between you and Jesus. I'll still love you. God still loves you. But he is so good, I'm not lowering Jesus to get you to accept him. He is so good. He is so good. He's too good. He's just too good. Say, Jesus is just too good. Our Heavenly Father, He is just too good to do all this. I mean, when we start finding out the way He wants us to live on the earth, it's like, nah. Because we've been around religion so long. Come on, somebody. God wants you happy on this. God, yeah, I've heard people preach, God doesn't want you happy. Well, I think He does. The Bible says, ask so that you can answer your prayers, that your joy be, uh, be filled or fulfilled. Well, I think it does. Just look at the Bible. Now, some people take any truth and go to extremes, so I get that. So back to my John 10.10. 10. So that we, that's our Lord placed years ago in my heart, John 10.10, live a dynamic life. That's, that's living the life that's available to us through Jesus because of the cross of Calvary. That life is, the Greek word is zoe, the zoe, the God quality of life. It's not just life. It's a quality of life. I like to think of illustrations, and since we're getting ready to go on the fast, I'll use chocolate cake. Have you ever noticed, and over the next 21 days plus, I might be using a lot of food illustrations. It's my coping mechanism. Deal with it. But we've all had someone bake a cake, or you go buy a cake, or go to a restaurant and get a cake, and some cake is dry, sand. But some cake is so rich, you need milk. You don't ever drink milk, but when you take a bite of that, has anybody ever had that cake before? It is so rich in flavor and chocolate. One bite and you're like, OMG, you can feel the insulin kicking with the sugar. I mean, they're fighting to your blood. You're like, get me some milk quick, and you have to eat slowly, right? Quality. There's a quality of life that God has for us. And we're all growing in all the areas of our life. Amen? Say the best is still coming but it's good where I'm at. Come on, somebody. I don't want you to think that we're in, we're in a bad place. I'm telling you, wherever it's at, 
it's going to get better in Jesus. And so living a John 10, 10, 10 uh, life is living a dynamic life that honors God. What honors God? John 15, verse 17 and 16. That we're asking he's able to answer, and that is what gives God glory, that he's producing fruit in our life. Glorifies God and impacts our family, friends, and neighbors. Because if your life from God never impacts anybody, I question the impact that God's making in your life. Because Jesus can't be any more real through you than he is to you. And if he's real to you, then he should be real through you. Do you see my point? And so recently, just in the service, the Lord placed this on my heart and to even break it down even farther. So if we have any questions, I like to say it this way now. It's being who God wants you to be. Right? Not who God doesn't want you to be. Don't fake it. Don't be imitating somebody else. Be who God wants you to be. It's living a life where you are, you're being who Jesus wants you to be, having what God wants you to have, right? Doing what God wants you to do, and reaching who God wants you to reach. That's as simple as I can make it. God didn't call you to reach everybody, but He has called you to reach somebody, and you're accountable for those He's called you to reach. You can't have everything, but He does want you to have something. Greed and coveting is when you're wanting what doesn't belong to you that belongs to somebody else. But that doesn't mean God doesn't want you to have something. He wants you to understand he's got so much for you. But you got to understand he doesn't want you to try to steal it from somebody else to get it. Come on, somebody. And so to me, that's the dynamic life. Now, the reason I say that, and I'm wrapping this all up to bring to this context of why we would fast. I believe one of the things that fasting does is that it opens, it doesn't move God, it repositions us. I remember, and I've used this illustration before, I remember being in grade school. And you know, sixth grade boys, they're just wrong. They're just, I can t- safely tell you when looking back at my life, they're just, you know what I mean? Come on. I think all boys. And some of you women have no idea what I'm talking about until you have a son. And you're like, what's wrong with my son? He's just a boy. He's not going to act like a girl. He's just a boy. He's so dirty and messy. He said, yeah, welcome to the world of boys. <laughs> and so, um, so, but I remember we would put rubber bands on our wrist and tighten them. Because somewhere in our childish mindset, we thought it was cool to stop the blood circulation. And we wanted to see our hands swell and tingle. Right? And it's like, you know, sometimes you wonder if you were spanked too much or not enough. I don't know. It's got to be somewhere in the middle. And so, I use that as an illustration because in our lives, God's not the one who's trying to take it. It's already provided. But the enemy tries to steal, kill, and destroy. So he'll try to take stuff from you, even if you don't realize the value of what you have in your hands. And one of the ways he does it, because he can't override you, is he'll try to coerce you and get you to say something or do something that really he's restricting you. And it's not that he's overriding your ability of will, because he can't. That's why the Bible says to lay aside every weight and sin that so easily besets you. Not only sins, but weights. Things that would restrict you. And so a lot of times we're praying in our mindset. I don't know if you've done this. I've been there. And I'll pray and ask God for something. And I'm thinking, God, I'm wanting you to bring this extra into my life. But the truth, if we can pull the curtain back. Can we do that for a few minutes? If we can pull the curtain back, the reality is he's not adding to you. It's already provided to you. 
It's like as a child, if I would begin to have my hands swell and tingle and go numb, I could pray, God, I need the pain to go away. Or I could pray, God, I know enough that I need more blood in my hand. But the problem is not God's going to recreate and add more blood into my system because the system has already been created to provide all the blood I need. What am I missing? There is a restrictor to the flow of the system that God already created that I don't, all I have to do is operate with the system. If I function correctly with the system, then it will flow correctly, right? So Now don't look at me that way because it, you're me... You can say it this way, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So God already has a system. So what do we have to do? We have to remove the restrictions in our lives. Sometimes a restriction is a financial restriction. Sometimes a restriction is a physical restriction. Sometimes it's a mindset restriction. Sometimes people are like, I'm just worried all the time. Well, what are you watching? Listen, if you spend all day watching news, it might be self-inflicted. You don't need to cast the devil out. You need to turn the channel. Garbage in, garbage out. That's my computer programming skills come to. Garbage in, garbage out. What you feed, your man's going to grow. What you starve is going to weaken. If you, only, if you only focus on the negativity, guess what's going to become huge in your life, right? So sometimes it's, we got to see the restrictions change the way we do things, the way we're talking, the way we're thinking. I don't know what it is for you. I know when all of us, at different levels, things change and things have to be refined, right? What you did at sixth grade doesn't work when you're in high school. When you're kindergarten, it's okay for your mommy to walk you to class, but you're 16 now. That's weird. You're a junior in a university. It's time to let go of mommy's hand and you get there on your own, right? Right. right? Things change, right? You can play basketball in, in junior high, but when you get to high school, when you get to college, it all changes. Same game. Do you see my point? And so as we go to different levels, there is some refining that has to go on for us to succeed well in the area, of the, the, in the area that God's bringing us into. Stay with me. And so what happens is that if we're not careful, we will try to bull our way through and just trying to overwill God and say, I know you're taking me there. I'm just going to push through. And we don't let God work in us. He's bringing out through it. He starts on the inside and develops us. Because if we don't deal with the restrictions at this level, at that level, they could do some damage. And so we're growing and moving forward. But he'll never take you farther than you're willing to go. Well, I don't want to read my Bible every day. You don't have to. But if you want to go to the next level, the demons at that level, you better have more word in you than the level you're in today. Right? Do you see my point? It's like, I want to be a professional athlete, but I just don't like exercising. Well... For you to do great at that level, there's something you're going to have to do at this level so you do well at that level. Do you see my point? You can look around and say, you know, they want to draft me in the NBA, but I look around at all my friends and they just sit around playing games on the couches and they never have to exercise. Well, you can have what they have or you can be what God's given you the opportunity to become. And it might be a little different. So it's not, you know what I mean? It's learning to remove the restrictions and allowing and to and Jesus will never take you farther than you want to go. 
He'll never take you farther you want to go. Malachi 3.10, it says, I will, he'll open up the windows of heaven when you're tithing offering. He'll open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that there's not room enough to contain. In the Hebrew, that literally means, one translation says, until you say, it's enough. When you say to God, it's enough, he still loves you. And he'll still, still work with you at that level. But, if you, but when you say it's enough, he's not going to force you because he won't override your will. It's getting quiet. You're like, Pastor, you're saying it, it's, it's more on me. Yes! We blame the devil. We blame God. But no one wants to look in the mirror and say, Jesus, what do I need to change? David said it this way. Search me out like a book, oh God. And if there's anything that's wrong, show me so I can deal with it. Help me get on the right path. Teach me the path of righteousness. Teach me to do your will. Why? Because he knew doing the will of God, God's way, brings us to the next level. It doesn't push us down. Religion will tell you, obey God, it will push you down. The word of God says, obey God, and he will lift you up. Promotion comes from the Lord, the Bible says. Jesus said, if you continue my word and obey, obey them, then you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It doesn't bring you into bondage. Religion will bring you into bondage. Sin will bring you into bondage. Jesus and his word will bring you into freedom. I remember this so many, probably about, oh my goodness, years, maybe about 12, 13 years ago, uh, it was a Friday, which was my day off, and I was running errands. And I've shared this before. This is, and again, this kind of stuff doesn't happen to me on a daily basis. And people who say these kind of things happen to you on a daily basis are thankful that they made marijuana legal. That's all I can say. <laughs> so I'll, that's all I'm going to say, and we'll leave it at that. They've been chewing on the wrong gummies. That's all I got to say about that. <sighs> but anyway, I'm on my day off. And usually in those days, uh, Kim is working at another job. And uh, so I would do my errands. And usually I would come home, grab some food, rest a little bit, and then start prepping for Sunday. And by that time, when I got done, Kim would be walking in. We'd have Friday night evening together. So that day, I was just running errands, and I grabbed some food through a fast food uh, drive-through, which I don't recommend, but we're going to fast, so hey. And so I grabbed it. I set the food down. This is just my story. You can agree or disagree. I set the food down, turned the TV on, because I like, we're going to eat by yourself fast food. Might as well have the TV on, right? Let's just get all three of them. And so I turned the TV on, and I set the food down, and I'm going to the kitchen to get some ketchup because they forgot to put ketchup in my bag. Now, Chick-fil-A would never do that, but this particular company, <laughs> you have to check. Have you noticed someplace you have to check that bag? And so I go in there, I set my food down, and I'm just... I'm thinking ketchup. I'm not thinking about anything. At the particular situation in the ministry at that time, uh, the enemy was putting pressure on us in the financial realm. And so I found myself not fear, but a little jaded. Little n and you find this stuff not when you're prepped to answer, but when people ask you questions. Have you noticed that? The truth comes out not when you're ready to answer, but when people ask you and you're caught off guard. And it just comes out. And you're like, whoa. Because out of the abundance of the heart, Jesus said the mouth speaks. And so I find myself saying a little jaded, a little slanted, whatever. And so I, I put 
my food down, and I'm walking in the kitchen. I'm thinking ketchup. I'm not thinking Jesus. I'm not thinking spiritual. I'm not thinking Bible. I'm thinking ketchup. So I could eat my food and do my routine. And so as I walk in, literally, as I walked through the kitchen, it was like in a millisecond, I found myself, and it, it's, it's going to sound crazy to some. That's why you put it on the back burner. It's like I walked into a cloud. And in a millisecond, it, the way my mind did and everything, I went directly from thinking about ketchup, walking, I'm walking, pretty good pace. I find myself stopped, my hands are raised, tears are coming down my face, and I'm caught up in the presence of God. And I heard the Lord speak to me, and he said, if this is all you can handle, this is as far as I can take you. Yeah. See, some of us, we're, we're blaming the devil, we're blaming God. The devil's going to be there. Until the lease, Adam's lease is up, he's going to be here. Right. You know what I mean? But doesn't, that doesn't mean that we have to be under him. He's under us. Amen. Okay? Amen. Jesus said, in this world you'll deal with trials and tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome. And he said, if this is all you can handle, this is as far as I can take you. And I knew exactly what he was talking about. It, it, and so as the dust was settling, I, I came out of that experience saying, no big deal. Say no big deal. No big deal. It would help I think for all of us, if you run into an OMG scenario in life and it seems impossible, just look at it and say, no big deal. Yeah. Hear yourself say it. Because yes. when people are like, <gasps> you know, it's amazing how perspective can change everything. Can I tell another story? See, I'm already having the effects of fasting, which I haven't done yet. Just the knowing I'm going into it. And so <laughs> years ago, I was at the lake with my family. And I'm going to tell a story on my nephew, Devin, who's one of our worshiping plays guitars. And he was about six years old, and back to boys who are young. And I had him on a wave runner, so he was sitting in front of me, and we were jumping waves. So I don't know if the, now boys who are young and boys who are older, but issues on both sides. And so here I got this six-year-old boy, and he's on the wave runner in front of me, and we're jumping waves at the Lake of the Ozarks behind boats. Well, that's probably not the best thing to do. You know what I mean? In my age now, I would not encourage that as a ac recreational activity. And so as we were doing that, one time he came down and whack, and he smacked his face on that rubber cushion right there in the steering wheel. And he looked up to me, and when he looked, he had this OMG expression as blood is coming down his cheek. And, you, and he reached up slowly, and he touched that blood, and he saw it. And he was about to go into a panic mode. And right there, I had a God idea. And when he, he reached up, he saw the blood, and he looked into my eyes and almost in panic. I went, cool, dude, you got blood. <laughs> and he went, oh, and off we kept doing it. He stopped crying. He didn't go in panic. He went right into, this is awesome. I don't know where I was going with that, so I'm going to get back to it. Perspective. It's okay to look at the impossible and say, no big deal. Because it's the perspective you got to take, which is, a, which is the viewpoint of a particular position. Perspective is the viewpoint of a particular position. Pastor Jesse, I share this on one of our Tuesday online Bible studies. Pastor Jesse, who's over our uh, Hope Churches in the Philippines, and he calls me every Tuesday. And in the Philippines, and I usually go every 18 months, uh, in the Philippines, uh, 
they're 13 hours ahead. So he's over his main church, and then he has 10 pastors under him. They have churches, and then they have pastors under them. And I deal with the leadership. So I and typically directly with Pastor Jesse unless I'm in the Philippines. And if they're watching and they do a lot, God bless you, Pastor Jesse. They just, I mean, they're doing an amazing work. Uh, I get reports every week, and they're just growing. People are getting saved, ministered to. Powerful man of God. Powerful preacher. And uh, you give him a hand clap if he's watching so soon he knows we love him. And so when he calls me early in the morning, it's 13 hours ahead. And so when I answer, because I see it's him, I always say, good evening. Only 7, more, 7 a.m. here, but it's to him. I say, good evening. He always says, good morning, Pastor Greg. And we begin our conversations. Why? Because I address him based on the position of where his perspective is because where he's at. Right? And he's addressing me based on where I'm at because my position dictates my perspective. Right? So what do we do when we deal with problems is we, not, we don't need to be in our position because we need to know God's position. And when you look at the impossible and say no big deal, it's not because you're talking from your position because that's not your, perspe- your perspective. We need to get into the perspective or position of what God is saying. Okay, so here we go. And so what I believe one of the powers of fasting and praying does is doesn't change God, it ch- changes us. Right. To remove restrictions, guide and direct us, empower us, whatever it might be. Might be the enemy in front of us trying to hold us back. Might be the enemy trying to entice us down the wrong path. It might be a mindset. It might be a situation you didn't realize what was going on. I'm struggling financially. And all of the time, someone that you do business with has been stealing from you, and you didn't realize it, and God will show you. I've had that happen. We had a daycare back in the day, and all of a sudden, one day during prayer, the Lord spoke to me and said, consider your flocks. I'm like, consider my flocks. And the Lord said, go check out what they're doing at the daycare. And not that they were being dishonest, but they were not handling things correctly because they defaulted to what was easiest for them and not what was financially best for them. Right? And, and so what we have to do is be open to, all right, God, search me, show me, because I know that in you the best is yet to come. I want the next season. Now, if you're comfortable in the season you're at, that's great. But I think a lot of us saying, okay, God, if you have more for me, in the area of what I have. If you have more for me and who you want me to become. If you have more for me on who you want me to help. If you have more for me in any area of my life. I want what's been provided by the cross of Calvary. And I want it on this side of eternity. So not only can I receive it and bless you. But be a blessing to others. Genesis 12 too, And I can honor you and show people that you are real. It's one thing to say God I thank you for that 3% raise. But when everybody's getting 4% you're being least grateful. But it's not a miracle. And what was placed on my heart for this coming year is that he is the God of the impossible. He is the God of the impossible. You, and you can, you can make it churchy and we can say it this way. He's the God of the miraculous or the God of miracles. But when you face the impossible, a lot of us don't think churchy anymore. When you get into the battlefield, some, whatever is churchy in our mind, have you noticed it gets knocked right out of us? And you need something that operates in the understanding level of where your faith is at. And when you begin to say he's the God of the impossible... 
when the devil tells you, when the doctor says it, when it don't matter who the devil uses, when the banker says it, when they tell you it's, when the attorney says it, it don't matter. When they say it's impossible, you ought to smile and hear this voice come into your spirit. Let it be the Holy Ghost reminding you that the God you serve, he is the God of the impossible. He's not the God of the likely. He's not the God of the probable. He's not the God of anybody else can do it. He is God and God alone. And beside him there is none other. And there will be no other that will get praise. Because he will take you to a place that's beyond your best. Work hard. But realize that the place you're going is beyond your best. Beyond your greatest effort. Beyond your network connection. Beyond any favor you can create. Beyond any sympathy you can generate. He is the God. and he is God by himself and he wants to bring you to a place that makes the wise people of the world scratch their head because one report says this and one report says that. He is the God of the impossible. Every story of Jesus in the Bible, he's the God of the impossible. Every miracle he did, it's the God of the impossible. The Red Sea was impossible. The lion's sin was impossible. The fiery furnace was impossible. The virgin birth was impossible. The resurrection was impossible. The healing of the leper was impossible. The healing of the boy that was dead in the casket was impossible. The healing of the person who was blind was impossible. What am I telling you? Again and again and again and again, I hear the Spirit of God saying, how many times do I have to show you that I am the God that does the impossible for those who dare believe? me hallelujah he's the god of the impossible if you've got a giant trying to kill you a disease trying to take you out he is the god of the impossible he is the god of the impossible he is the god of the impossible We had a dear lady who came down for prayer just a few weeks ago, and they had found uh, cancer, and they decided, they set up the next appointment, and they were going to do a biopsy of the growth so they could see what they needed to do to predicate on the the procedure to follow. And so she came down for prayer, and when she went in for the procedure for the biopsy, they got in there, and they said, we got a problem. There is nothing here anymore. It's all gone. Why? Because he is the God of the impossible. My brother-in-law, Greg Hand, who's over our worship that we just talked about a few, uh, a few minutes ago at the beginning of the service. A few years back, all of a sudden, he was just not talking right, and so they called the ambulance. And come to find out, long story short, the, uh, the doctor said he had a stroke, and they showed on x-ray, he's got the film, one side, one hemisphere of his brain with absolutely no blood going to it. And now the doctor tells him, I don't know what to tell you, Mr. Ham, but you are a miracle. Why? Because we serve a God that does the impossible. We got we to gotta quit looking, focusing on the impossible and get our eyes on the God who does the impossible. Well, look what I'm dealing with. Okay, we see the little you have, but let's get to the God of the impossible. 
who says, take that oil and begin to pour it in pots that you don't even own. He said, take that little flour and make, make a meal and feed me first. It doesn't make sense, but it doesn't make a difference if it makes sense because you're not trying to analyze and understand it. You just want to receive like you and I. We should just say, God, I don't need to figure it out. I just want to obey because I want to receive from the God of the impossible. The God of the impossible doing the impossible for you today. Amen. See, he's the God of the impossible. And I'm telling you, the Bible's filled. In fact, the Bible says that if all the works of Jesus were written down in books, the, the world could not contain them. You know what that means? He did a lot of stuff. He didn't do a few things. He did a lot of things. Because he's the God of the impossible. Not the God of the probable. Oh, I can do this and I'll just pray God helps him. No, no, he's the God of the impossible. Thank you. He's the God of the impossible. Don't get in fear. Choose perfect love because the Bible says perfect love. Cast out fear because fear has torment. You ever cast something? Uh, she reached him. I can't leave her hand. You're like, I don't feel anything. Who said you need to feel anything? Come here. Who said you need to feel anything? You don't have to feel emotionally anything. You know what? If somebody walked up to you, you didn't know they were coming, and they were going to give you $1,000 in cash, and you needed 1000 but you didn't know they were coming to give you 1000 and you didn't know, and they walked up and said, hi, you don't feel anything, do you? Until they bring it into your hands. Now, you might feel something afterwards. Right? Afterwards. We judge the validity of God by what we're feeling beforehand. But the Bible says that the, the people who left Jesus left jumping and leaping and praising God. It was afterwards. It was not beforehand. It was afterwards. So the enemy would be like, yeah, I don't, you don't feel anything. Why do you think? It's not beforehand. Say, it's not beforehand. Say, I don't have to feel anything beforehand. Because that's emotions. And praise God for them. They're great. They're like dessert. But you can't live on them. The real deal stuff is you don't always feel it emotionally. Put your hand on your chest. In the name of Jesus, I curse and bind that attack of the enemy against your body. Healed in the name of Jesus. Say thank you, Jesus. Healed. Now, I call the order of God into your body. Valves be healed. Heart be healed. That stress and pressure squeezing it, I curse and bind it in the name of Jesus. I speak freedom. Healed. Healed. I'm not playing a game here. You devour, you have to leave. Spirit of fear, you have to leave. Now in the name of Jesus. In Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Healed. Healed. Say thank you, Jesus. He is the God of the impossible. He's the God of the impossible. So that, a couple of Sundays ago, that just came out of my spirit. I thought, okay, that's the mind of God. I'm, we're going to go with that. In, in 2024, here's what we're believing. We're believing for the God of the impossible to do the impossible in your life. 
I like to think of illustrations. So, I, you know what I mean? And back to food again, since it's. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. They're over here saying chocolate cake and apple pie. I'm thinking of a scripture. Let me thank God. Jesus said to Peter, get behind me. A lot of Christians, nobody here, but a lot of Christians, I think, in the church world, what they do is they live on what is provided that's fallen from the tree of God. And it's down there. Oh, yeah, I'll take that. I'll take a little bit of this. I'll take a little bit of that. And, take, I'll take, and they go for the low-hanging fruit. And praise God for the low-hanging fruit. But I believe that God wants to do the, the impossible. And so I'm believing in 2024 that God does something that doctors cannot understand in the name of Jesus. You demon of cancer that touches body, I curse you. I drive you out. Every cell be healed. Life. Hallelujah. Come on, give Jesus a praise. So we can live our whole Christian life, live our whole Christian life, enjoying the fruit that's easily available to everybody. But God's looking for people that want to delight in Him. And know, I know there's more in store. I'm going to climb that tree a little higher. Not that we ask for problems, but we want to live in victory. Amen. The God of the impossible, doing the impossible for you today. So the reason what we're doing a 21-day fast corporately, January 3rd through 23rd. Now, this is not for children. This is not for pregnant women or nursing moms or people that are uh, older in years. And you, you, this is, you find the mind of God. You find the mind of God. Okay? But Jesus fasted, Luke's 4. The church fasted, Acts 13. David Oyedipo, one of my mentors, I've never met him, but I listened to his stuff, um, who is out of Lagos, Nigeria, and literally, in my opinion, one of the greatest men of God on the planet today. He's got the, the largest church in the world today. And that's not what I think makes him great. But, I mean, that's definitely results... We can't measure everything based on that value system, but I mean, he does have a church of 53,000 seats and does four services, and there's more people in the overflow tents than inside the building. But what, what makes it is the word of God. That, I mean, you listen to one message you, from him, you think, I go long, help me, Jesus. But I mean, it's just word, 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 and the power of God, the, the miracles. They've had dead people raised. Someone said, okay, and bring their dead family, and they won't let them bring it in the auditorium under the, under the lower level, and the power of God, the anointing of God so strong that the dead come back to life. That's a power. See, if we, only, if we only invite ourselves with information of what's happening in our little world, we can be so missing out on what God is doing. Right. 
I'm going to come back to you because I sense that there's a spirit of death that's trying to attach itself to your, your mind and think, I curse and bind that spirit of death in the name of Jesus. You will not die. Speak the word. You will not die, but you will live and declare the works of the Lord in the name of Jesus. New songs are going to be given. New songs are going to be sung in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Free. Come on. And some of you are like, this is, I'm new to this church. That's not how my other pastor, I know, everybody's got to do their thing. So, so we're doing prayer and fasting, and here's how we're going to do it, because I want you to operate at your level of faith, and that comes out of Romans chapter 12. So you don't have to copy people, but what we're, we're suggesting because is to do a, a 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. fast for 21 days, January 3rd to January 23rd. You say, why 6 a.m. to 6 p.m.? That's how Israel would do it. The Jewish people would do it, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Now, some people, you're, you can do a 24-hour fast. Some might do a one day, three days. There's 21 days. There's a Daniel fast mentioned in the Bible. Most people totally butcher up what a Daniel fast is about, and it is, it is what it is. Um, but we encourage you, do a, um, six, join us if you want to do this with us, January 3rd. Prayer and fast, just not fasting, because if you don't add prayer to it, you're just starving yourself. You'll come out of that eating and say nothing's changed. I know, because what we're doing is weakening the emotional side of our person, our physical self. Because some of us, no one here, some of us, we are more led by our emotions and feelings than we are by the Spirit of God, the Word of God. So we got to weaken that area of ourself and strengthen our spirit person with the Word and prayer, Joel verse 2. Joel says to pray, build yourself up in most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Um, and so we're going to take that time, 21 days, and just consecrate that time as consecrating the year. Yes. God, we want your best this year. Amen. We want to we step into that next season. Now, it might be different for somebody than it is from one person to the next person, but that's okay. You don't have to compete and compare. God just wants you to step into, you know what I mean, lead you to that next level. Is that okay? Amen. You're like, Man, God gave that person five business. Yeah, they had four. You don't have one. Now you got one. So you're growing. It's, 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 all, it's, it's about growth. It's about growth. And so we're going to consecrate. Again, fasting is a spiritual discipline. So you can do one day, three days. We're going to do 21 days. And, uh, and so I'm just believing for God to do the impossible. Amen. We're going to catch his vision. We're going to implement his process, and we're going to yield to his spirit. That was something the Lord placed on my heart 20, in 2000, so 23 years ago. I was in prayer, and the Lord spoke to me and said, catch a vision that inspires you to act. Implement a process that enables you to act. Yield to the Spirit who propels or empowers you to act. And I have found that, that pattern in general. Usually if I'm, there's a struggle in an area, it's probably one of those three areas. My perception about a situation, my routine in a situation, or trusting the power of God in that situation. Because you can have power, but if your mindset's wrong. You can have the right mindset, but if you don't do anything, faith without works is dead. You can have the right mindset and be working hard, but if you don't trust God and obey the... the so what are we doing? We're just saying, Lord, if there's any restrictions, rubber bands show us. We're going to yank that thing off. Because we want to be who he wants us to be, do what he wants us to do, have what he wants us to have. Some of us, the lack of our blessing is the lack of our mindset because we don't let ourselves be blessed. 
I know that in my own personal life because I love giving, but I hated receiving. I would argue with ministers sometimes on who was going to pay. I just did not, I hated receiving. And I, isn't that weird? Pray for me. And the Lord had to deal with me on that. And the scripture says, give it, it shall be given, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Shall men bring it to you? How do you get blessed if you don't like people giving to you? I found it was just pride. You hate to admit that. I just found it was pride. And I had to get that mindset changed. Come on. To begin to experience what God wanted to take me to the next level. So whatever it is, I'm just like, Lord, if there's whatever you want to change, show me that I need to change because I want to be what you want me to be. I want to do what you want me to do. I want to have what you want me to have. I'm I'm thankful for what he's done in other people's lives. But I, I, hey, I want some of this too. Come on, somebody. I'm thankful for the stories I can read in the Bible, but I want part of this too. We're coming to the last of the last days, and I'm telling you, God wants to show his glory. And, you know, and I don't don't want to go into this too much because it'll take longer, but I really feel that in 2024, we're going to begin to see the Lord just step into the services like we've never seen. Not because we did the ABCs just the way we thought. Because you do the ABCs, you'll think, next time I need to do the ABCs, and he'll do it again. He's going to step in anyway. I'm telling you, the Sunday you miss will be the Sunday he just walked through the wall. I'm telling you, you you got to be careful with everything. Everything's got to be in balance. Everything's got to be word-based. But I'm telling you, there's the glory clouds coming sometimes. It's going to be like, OMG, what have we just stepped into? It wasn't us. It was all Jesus. He's getting his bride ready. Because Matthew 24, you begin to look at the world to see where you're at in the timeline. But Matthew 25, you begin to hear from heaven to know what you need to do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say, he is the God of the impossible. Doing the impossible. In, a, in my life today. Come on, give him a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Every head bowed and every eye closed. We don't want to miss this opportunity. If you're here today and do not have a real relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm not asking if you know about God. In the way you process and experience, understand, do you know Jesus in a real and tangible way? Do you know that he is real and that he's your Lord and Savior? If you don't, you can. You can. Revelation 3, Jesus said, I stand at the door and I knock. If you hear my voice and open up, I'll come in. Romans 10 says, those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer, right where you're at, right where you're sitting. A simple prayer that will make eternal impact in your life, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. So if you don't know the Lord, or maybe this is the first time you heard the gospel, but for others it might be, hey, I, I used to serve the Lord. I used to be right with God, but I've allowed stuff to come between me and God. And I know my life, my heart's not right. But today I want to get it right. If either one of those are you, then include yourself in this prayer. Say with me, Heavenly Father, I turn to you today. I repent of all my sins. I believe in my heart. And I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That he came to this earth in the flesh, died on a cross for my sins, was buried for me, and on the third day rose again for me. Because I believe that, I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart, wash me in your blood, 
Forgive me. Cleanse me. See, Jesus, I don't want a religion. I want a real relationship with you. So I open the door of my heart and life, and I invite you in to be my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me. I am saved. Amen. Now look up here. If you prayed that prayer and you meant business with God when you're praying it and you know God's answered that prayer, I want to speak a blessing over your life. We are in the last of the last days. I believe that with every fiber of my being. And as it gets weirder and darker and crazier out there in the world, we don't get quieter. We get brighter. Not weird. We don't get weird. We send the weird people to the other churches. Amen. But we get more legitimate, more real, more able to demonstrate and stand strong. And so I'm going to ask you at the count of three, if you prayed that prayer on Mint Business, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. Stay where you're at, but just stand to your feet and stay standing. You might feel like, I'm not comfortable with that. I get it. I'm the same way. But if we don't stand for Jesus in a room where people are clapping for us and someone can speak a blessing over us, how do we stand for Jesus in a world who's trying to seriously, strategically take us out? And keep us from serving the Lord. So there's something about a tenacity that I believe that has to happen in this last days. The Bible says it this way. He will strengthen you with might by his spirit in the inner person. That's the blessing I'm going to pray over your life. So if you prayed that prayer for salvation and you meant business, at the count of three, I want you to stand to your feet. Some of you are bold. You'll stand quick. Please do so for the people who are, who are shy and passive. But if you mean business with Jesus, let this day be the day you stand up for him. One, two, three. Stand in the name of Jesus. You prayed that prayer. Let me see who I'm talking to. God bless you. God bless you too. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty. Come on, church. Give me a hand clap. God bless you. Stay standing. God bless you. Hallelujah. Twenty-one. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And look what God is doing. First of all, let me say to each and every one of you, welcome to the family of God. We are so thankful for you. Stay standing. Let me speak a blessing over your life. Stretch your hands this way. Before I pray, let me just tell you, we, we love you. We're here for you. We don't control people. We don't manipulate people. We're here for you. We're here for you. Father, as, they, as they're standing, representing that they just received you, I thank you for salvation. I thank you for your grace and mercy in all of our lives. I thank you for our, our new family. We mean that. So, Father God, according to your word, we curse and bind the enemy that would try to steal, kill, and destroy. Any area that he's used in the past to hinder them, we break it. Any curse or spell against them and their past is broken today, so we send it back. We send it back to the sender. Any person in their inner circle that is has a a demonic assignment, a diabolical assignment to hinder them from you. We ask you to remove them out of their life and send three good, right people into their life that's better that'll be there to stand with them, be strong with them, encourage them, and help them to stay encouraged to serve you. Now, Father, I speak this blessing over their life according to your word. I ask you to strengthen them with might. Strengthen them with might by your spirit and their inner person. We thank you that they'll be able to stand against sin and temptation and the opposition winds of the enemy. We thank you for that in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone shouted, you may be seated. God bless you. Come on, give them a hand clap.